Hey yo, and welcome to the Badass is the New Skinny podcast. I'm Sabrina, here to chat with you about what it takes to look and feel like a badass. Fun fact, it's not about 1200 calorie diets and workouts you hate. Nope. Instead, we'll talk about lifestyle habits, mindset, and attitude around sleep, stress management, nutrition, and movement, all dumped in a great big bucket of self-awareness and personal growth. Each week, I'll give you strategies and actions that you can apply directly into your day-to-day life so that you're making sustainable changes over time. So if you're ready to get your shit together, for reals this time, put on your sassy pants and get comfy. Let's do this. Hey yo, welcome back my friends. I hope you're having a great week so far. Today we're kicking off week four of the Be Badass Challenge, and I'm going to be chatting with you about establishing boundaries for stress management and mental health. Before I get too far into that, I have a couple of quick updates, and they kind of go together. The first one is that I'm about to have a new partner in crime, the cutest little Bernie Doodle named Bruiser. He's about eight weeks old, and I'm just anticipating him just being full of energy, and he's just the cutest little sweetheart. Whether or not his name remains to be Bruiser, we'll see. I really want to get a better sense of his little personality, but all in all, I'm very excited. I'm not going to lie, though. Adopting him was a stupid, stressful process, and it was a reminder about why I like dogs more than I like people, but I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. The process tested my patience, kept me in a state of anxiety, and I honestly didn't know if it was actually going to happen. Consequently, my stress management habit not only didn't work out so great, but it also felt more annoying than helpful. As a reminder, the habit I was going to practice was to limit game time on my phone to engage in activities that brought me more joy and relaxation, like reading, coloring, or playing. I mentioned last week that I would have made my habit more based around playing with or snuggling with a dog, but I have been without one. Until pretty much now. (laughs) So as I'm recording this, I don't have Bruiser in my hands yet, but I should be getting him the same day that this episode comes out. So that's, that's the plan so far. That's my hope. And in my mind, I'm just like, what a fucking blessing to have this happening for me right now. So I think I've mentioned this before, but when I lost Bella back in January... I quickly learned just how much stress management and mental health support she provided for me. That was more of a bonus perk to having her because in reality, she was like the closest member of my family to me and I wasn't really focused on the mental health component of it necessarily. I knew that I was getting some benefit from that, but that was not my purpose in having her around. So since she's been gone, I've been struggling quite a bit more on the stress management and mental health front. Now that I'm bringing Little Bruiser into my life, it's like some clouds are starting to clear, as as cheesy as that sounds. And trust me, I fully remember and acknowledge that um, puppies are velociraptors and that this is not going to be a, you know, all sunshine and, and rainbows experience. And I'm fully expecting that there will be some some books that fall victim to this whole process of having a puppy and some sleepless nights and things like that. But you got to take some of the challenge with the good, right? With all of that in mind, I'm changing up my stress management habit that I'm, I'm choosing to practice for this challenge. So understanding that Bruiser is going to be a little velociraptor, 
He's going to require a lot of attention. I'm sure he's just going to have a ton of energy and we have a lo- we'll have a lot of work to do with training and bonding. The problem with my original habit and one of the things I was a little afraid of was that the alternative activities I had chosen for stress management were not any more exciting for me to get into than my game. So like I said, it felt a little more like a chore than something that was really going to help me. The one plus side was that when I did put my game down to engage with other things, they were usually productive things or exercise, which wasn't my intention. But the exercise felt really good, so that's my win. I'll take it. I'll probably try to continue incorporating the exercise as best I can. I've kept it super simple in terms of not changing my clothes and just grabbing some dumbbells and doing a small series of simple exercises a few times through. It's also been pretty nice because not only does it improve my mood, but it also is kind of helping me gear up for whatever I'm going to end up doing when we hit the movement portion of this challenge. That said, my priority is going to be the puppy in the form of training, walks, playing, and snuggles. Training sounds like a chore, and I'm sure sometimes it'll feel that way, but I'm oddly looking forward to it. I didn't go through the steps to get Bella trained, and while she was still pretty well behaved, it did limit how much I was able to do with her and where I was able to take her. So we'll see how all of this goes and what my stress levels will look like when it comes time to share next week's podcast episode. For puppy pictures, I promise I will be posting them on Instagram at sa.brina.brina. There will be plenty because I can't help myself. I am a dog mom at heart. And like I said, I kind of like dogs more than I like people. So there you go. Sorry, not sorry. Real quick, because this is all a conversation around stress management and mental health today, I want to acknowledge that sometimes supporting yourself in this way involves behaviors that aren't necessarily habits. So if you're struggling with the habit portion of this challenge, it's okay. You can focus on other behaviors that maybe aren't necessarily habits. What do I mean by this? Today's topic around boundaries is going to be a good example. There might be some habits that are your way of practicing boundaries, like we talked about last week, but not necessarily. I'm going to get into this, but another really important one is understanding the locus of control and the spheres of control. I have a whole episode on this already, and I highly recommend you check it out. I can't remember what the podcast episode number is, but I will certainly link to it in the show notes for you. The reason this is so important is because a lot of times when we're in crisis or experiencing change, things can feel really out of control, which can greatly contribute to your stress levels and how you cope with that stress. I often remind people that they have more control than they think they do, and even in tough situations, we have choices and we can help ourselves based on the choices we make and leveraging the control that we have. When it comes to stress management and mental health, I really feel that when you acknowledge the control you have in your life and exercise that through the practice of healthy boundaries, you are going to better equip yourself to handle the shit shows and dumpster fires that will inevitably come your way. So again, I will link to the Locus of Control uh, podcast episode in the show notes for you, and it's going to go through all of what I mean by Locus of Control and walk you through the spheres of control and all of that good stuff. So Uh, Be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Now let's talk about boundaries. I've had this one on my radar for this podcast for a long time, and I just keep putting it off because it's a big conversation and boundaries are not as easy as they sound. So here's how I want to break this down so that it's a little more digestible for you. And keep in mind that this is a very, 
very small portion of the overall boundaries conversation because this is a much bigger topic than what I can share with you today. First, I'm going to define what boundaries mean in the context of this conversation and what they can look like. I'm then going to talk about different categories of boundaries and how establishing boundaries can help support your stress management and mental health. And finally, I'll give you some quick tips for how to identify what boundaries you might need and how to make them work for you. So what are boundaries in the context of this conversation? Today, we're talking about personal boundaries, which are the lines you draw for yourself, your comfort and your safety. Obviously, this is a little vague and nebulous, so let's chat a bit about what these look like. I really like the way Psych Central breaks this down. I'll link to the article in the show notes for you. Psych Central talks about things like social interactions and personal space, but it also talks about types or categories of boundaries, and I think these are important to keep in mind. So the different categories that they talk about are emotional, physical, sexual, workplace, material, meaning like your personal belongings, and time. One of the reasons I like this list is because it really identifies just how broadly we can establish boundaries in an effort to support ourselves. You probably already have a lot of boundaries in place just naturally without even thinking about it. I'm going to go through these categories and give some examples of how these can support our stress management and mental health. Disclaimer again, I am not a medical professional. I'm not a mental health professional or clinician. I am a health coach. If you hear anything that stands out to you or if you want more assistance, I recommend first and foremost working with the appropriate healthcare provider. That being said, let's get into it. First, emotional boundaries. These boundaries are to protect your emotional well-being, which have really tight ties to stress and mental health. So when you think about your emotional boundaries, think about your emotional stressors. The one that stands out the most to me here are emotional stressors tied to social relationships. You ever hear the advice to cut toxic people out of your life? This is kind of an extreme example of setting emotional boundaries in the context of social relationships. I don't think this needs to be the first boundary you set with people, of course. There are plenty of other ways to set emotional boundaries with people. If you have a friend or family member who is fun and you enjoy hanging out with them, but they lack empathy and compassion, which is not a judgment, it's just something that some people lack, then your emotional boundary could be that you don't turn to that person about things that you're struggling with emotionally. If you have friends, family, or coworkers who only ever reach out when they're in crisis or there's drama, Maybe your boundary is you don't take their phone calls and instead text them to see what's going on and give yourself a chance to decide if you have the emotional capacity to connect with that person. On the topic of cutting toxic people out of your life, what I'll say is sometimes that's necessary, but it's also really fucking hard. Most of the time, if someone in your life is at the point of being toxic, they got there because you care deeply about them. If you didn't, it's not as likely that their behavior would impact you so much. So if you're struggling with someone in your life, consider a range of boundaries you can set so that you can protect your emotional well-being. Relationships aren't the only instance when you might set emotional boundaries, but it's a big one. A smaller example might be like what I mentioned last week, which is I limit how I engage with the news. I am an intensely empathetic and compassionate person, which has its perks, but It also causes me a stupid amount of stress to be exposed to others who are suffering, in pain, or in conflict. And let's face it, that's the news. The downside is sometimes I sound like an idiot because I don't always know what's going on in the world. 
But at the same time, this was a really important emotional boundary that I had to set for myself to protect my mental health. Moving on, the second one is physical boundaries. This one is more related to your personal space. Physical boundaries can look like not letting people in your home when you're not there, investing in home security, not eating in front of the TV, not letting the dog sleep on the bed, etc. For this one, I encourage you to think about your physical environment and figure out what causes you stress when it comes to your space. I have a client who had set some physical boundaries with her home after work because a family friend would come over every day after work because that was just the routine. But this made it really hard for my client to have time to herself to prioritize things that were good for her. Physical boundaries aren't limited to space, but can also include your body. One of the few good things that came out of the pandemic was the pause it put on a lot of people to not make physical contact and keep a safe distance. If you're not a hugger and you feel really uncomfortable because someone you interact with is a hugger, it can be really awkward and potentially stressful. And if you're not a hugger, I apologize. I am. I do my best to keep it to myself, understanding that a lot of people are, are not huggers. So on behalf of huggers everywhere, I apologize. Kind of. Another great example of this is pregnant women. Now, I've never been pregnant long enough for it to show, but I've seen and heard of many examples of very pregnant women having their pregnant bellies touched without invitation, sometimes from complete strangers, which this grosses me out, by the way. Please don't do this. Intentions might be good, but that's still not okay. So whether it's your environment or your body and personal space, think about the boundaries you could set that help you manage your stress and protect your mental health. There's a lot of examples I'm not covering here because it could look like a lot of different things to you. And I'll acknowledge that some of this could be a little awkward if it means speaking up for yourself or changing behaviors if these are really different from your status quo. People might have a hard time getting used to this, so you'll have to be ready to not only set the boundaries, but enforce them. If you have friends over and you need them to leave at a decent time so that you can get to bed at a decent time, set the expectation early for when you need them to leave and then stick to it. If they're miffed about it, let them be. You don't need to be an asshole, but looking out for yourself and respecting your own boundaries is going to be important. And if you don't want to hug people, shake hands, or stand so close to them that you can smell their breath, then don't. I say this largely for myself because my ingrained attitude is be nice, and I too often sacrifice my own physical comfort for that. So is it easy? Not necessarily. Is it worth it? Yes, if it's a meaningful boundary for you. Okay, so the third boundary that Psych Central outlines is sexual boundaries and protecting our needs and safety sexually. Maybe this sounds like a strange one when it comes to stress management and mental health, but it makes so much sense when you think about it. Intimacy in relationships requires a level of vulnerability that can be really challenging and scary for a lot of people, and it can look different depending on your comfort level. One example I have of this is setting boundaries around when and under what circumstances a relationship becomes sexually intimate. For some people, they're real comfortable with it, and things like one-night stands are just not a big deal. For other people, this sounds awful and terrifying, and they may choose to set more boundaries around that because not respecting those boundaries is insanely stressful and can be really harmful to mental health. When I think about the people I want to work with from a coaching perspective, 
I want to help people who are going through or who have gone through big life changes. One of those very big life changes includes divorce. When someone goes through a divorce, there's a lot of stress and fear and anxiety that could come up around dating and new relationships and navigating what that looks like. So for those clients in particular, getting a handle on sexual boundaries could be really important. Of course, there are other instances of this as well, such as boundaries around protection, monogamy, sexual acts and practices, openness about it, and so forth. This makes me think of How I Met Your Mother and Lily and Robin talking about Marshall wearing socks to bed for traction. And now I'm going to have that stuck in my head for the rest of this. Anyway, while it's a sitcom and it's funny, it's still an example of how sexual boundaries could have been disregarded. So just food for thought, even if you're having conversations with you know, your best friend or whoever, just try and be respectful of your partner's boundaries as well. The fourth one is workplace boundaries, and oh boy, (laughs) this could look like so, so many things, and I feel like the stressors and mental health issues associated with this are really obvious, but not necessarily. Or I should say, not all of them are obvious. This is also where I really feel the need to stress the importance of the locus of control and understanding what you have control over so that you don't feel like just another cog in the wheel. Anyway, workplace boundaries might include things like the kinds of conversations you'll have with people at work, aka not engaging in water cooler gossip, not working outside of your standard work hours, protecting your lunch hour. Some people set the boundary of they don't make friends with people they work with, things like that. When I think about the biggest workplace stressors, it sounds kind of lame, but it is what it is. Email. All the fucking email. There's something about email that makes it goddamn impossible to actually focus on anything, and the constant influx of email is enough to keep your stress and anxiety levels pretty high. To my listeners who don't suffer the email stressor, one, I'm jealous, and two, For the sake of this conversation, consider your email equivalent for right now, whatever that might look like. This is one that's historically tough for me, so there are a few things that I've done to kind of protect myself. The biggest one is that I've turned off my alerts and any sort of notification. By default, with Outlook, you get a little pop-up and preview of the message. I've turned that off. Then I discovered that there's a little Outlook icon on my toolbar that would show a little letter icon over it whenever I got a new email. I also turned that off. And when I need to go into work mode, I'll either make sure my email is covered up or I'll close it entirely. I've also considered limiting how often I check my email for that to be only first thing in the morning and right after lunch. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but that's another option. So think about your biggest workplace stressor and how you might be able to set boundaries around it to protect your stress levels and mental health. It might seem like some of your workplace stressors are things that aren't within your control, like how your boss reacts to things or the process you have to go through for work, but try and think outside the box and look at potential solutions because finding the solutions to those stressors is going to be the part that really helps you. And no, you're not going to have control over everything and that's okay. You just do the best you can with what you have. If you're not sure what these boundaries could look like, I encourage you to head over to the Facebook group and post your question there so that the community can help you out. The fifth one is material boundaries. So this includes protecting your personal belongings. I actually don't have a whole lot to say about this one because I feel like it's fairly straightforward. 
A simple, real example I can share is that one of my friends has someone in her life who lives with them but doesn't have a car. This person isn't the most reliable, and my friend has put a boundary on her car, making it very clear to this other person that her car is not available to borrow. Sometimes this is tough because maybe you're the kind of person who wants to help others out, and it can feel especially stressful if there are people in your life who maybe don't have as much as you do. But having material things doesn't mean that you didn't work your ass off for them, and protecting them doesn't make you selfish. Another really good example is tools. Good tools are expensive, not just to purchase, but often to maintain. They're also the kinds of things that a lot of people choose not to invest in, so it's not really that uncommon for people to ask to borrow them. So when you think about potential stressors around possessions, it might be worth thinking about what's really important and meaningful to you and if there are any stressful circumstances around those things. Maybe the answer is no, and that's great. But if the answer is yes, that might be a great place to start. Maybe not the most streamlined description, but the simple way to say it is that setting material boundaries is about protecting your stuff, whatever that means to you. Finally, and this is such a big one, time boundaries. This is all about protecting how your time is used and limiting the misuse of it by yourself and others. This is one of those where you may see some overlap with others a little more clearly. The one that stands out the most to me is connected to emotional boundaries and boundaries I set around time I spend with people in my life or when I communicate with them. For example, with the exception of a few people, I don't respond to text messages or answer phone calls after about 8.30 or 9 because I'm getting ready for bed or have already gone to bed, and I'm protecting my time. I'm protecting my sleep ritual. Another example that comes to mind is my mom when I was a kid. She worked at the medical clinic in the town where I grew up, and the clinic was really close to where I lived. Consequently, her commute was very short. So when she would come through the door and my sisters and I would be all up in her face and she would hold up her hands and say, I'm taking 10. We quickly learned that when my mom got home from work, she couldn't deal with us or answer any of our stupid questions about dinner or plans or anything else until she'd had 10 minutes to unwind. I feel like this is an extra important example in this post-pandemic space, wherein with a lot of people still working from home, meaning some people go from work to home in less than 30 seconds because it's all in one. Building in time here is a great way to set a personal boundary to protect your stress levels and mental health. I didn't talk about this before, but this is another example of where physical boundaries come into play. If you work from home, physical boundaries might include where you allow yourself to work or not work. One of my boundaries is that my bedroom will not ever be my office. Does it mean that my home work setup is extra challenging, especially in a small space with a roommate? Yep, it sure does. But my bedroom is my sanctuary, and I'm not about to bring in factors or elements that I might associate with anything stressful. Is it tempting to work from bed sometimes? Yeah. Is it worth it? No, for a lot of reasons. It's one of those things that always sounds better than it actually is. Okay, so that covers the categories, but that doesn't mean that that's the complete conversation or that there aren't other categories or settings. My hope, though, is that this gave you a better sense of different settings and situations in which you'd want to set boundaries in order to protect your stress levels and mental health. Boundaries can be challenging, but so, so worth it when you choose your boundaries intentionally. So how do you do that? Well, let's talk about that real quick before we wrap up. 
Like we've talked about so much over the last few weeks, to approach this in a way that's going to be effective and helpful, you have to first start with where you are. What are your primary stressors? What are some of the biggest lifestyle challenges you're facing? How might implementing boundaries support you? Once you have a sense or an idea for where you'd like to start and what boundaries might be helpful for you, I recommend choosing one and putting it into practice. Again, this might not be a habit necessarily, it might just be a behavior or a practice, such as turning off email alerts at work, something that you do once and then you don't have to worry about it. In my case, the habit that I'm practicing for this challenge is essentially a boundary habit. I've set a boundary around my time and how I use it so that I'm using it in a way that is going to serve me best. And while how I'm using that time is now going to look different with this little puppy that I have coming, the same idea applies. I'm setting a boundary on my time so that I'm not pissing away my time on something that isn't serving me or supporting my stress management and mental health. If I were to think about other stressors in my life and what boundaries I might implement, I'd probably focus on other boundaries around time because it feels like time is often one of the biggest ongoing stressors I face. One of my boundaries I've tried setting for myself, though not always succeeding, is that I don't work past 8 in the evening. I work my day job until sometime between 4 and 5, and then in the evenings I work on my podcast and other business things. But setting a time boundary on that has been really important for my overall stress levels and my ability to unwind and protect my sleep routine. So there's no right or wrong way to figure out what your boundaries are, and in some cases it will be trial and error. But identifying your stressors and thinking critically about what boundaries can reduce those stressors and protect your overall mental health are going to be worth it. And I say implement one at a time because, one, implementing one thing at a time is the easiest and most sustainable, and two, it's the best way to know for sure if something is working. If you make a lot of changes at once, it's hard to know what's working and what's not. So there you have it, my friends, an introductory conversation around boundaries to support your stress management efforts and mental health. Next week, we move on to nutrition habits to help you feel like your best and most badass self, so I hope you're ready for that. In the meantime, continue practicing your sleep and stress management habits, hop into the Facebook group and share your progress and ask questions if you have any, and be mindful of how things are going for you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, do something that brings you joy and makes you smile, and I'll catch up with you next time. Later! Many thanks for joining me for another episode of the Badass is the New Skinny podcast. I hope today's chat gave you some things to noodle on and that you're walking away feeling inspired and empowered to live a badass life. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please snag a screenshot of this episode and post it on Instagram, tag a friend or two, and tag me at sa.brina.brina. That's S-A dot B-R-I-N-A dot B-R-I-N-A. And include the hashtag badass is the new skinny. If you could also drop me a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts, it would mean the world to me. For more of the good stuff, head on over to my website at sabrinabrina.com. Catch you next time. Later.